lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace with Totters and Aaron McIntyre, our good friend Chris Pandolfo is here. He's going to be joining us for the Dace Group in just a moment. If you would like to join us, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. That's uh, steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the show. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. And then check out our YouTube channel today at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's where we post things that will likely then in a matter of moments be demonetized because they are unfortunately true. Um, what's coming your way here? Just calling it like it is. Uh, also, December the 15th is a big day around here. That's when my new book, the novella sequel, uh, to a nefarious plot is released nationwide. You can get your pre-order today at Amazon.com. It's called A Nefarious Carol, and it is dropping on December the 15th. Go there, get your pre-order today. Thanks to uh, a, a, the multitude of you. Our pre-sales are looking really good for the book. So thank you very much. Uh, let's keep that going. You guys have been asking me, are we doing an audio version of the book? We are. And... um I'm going to keep this to myself for now, but I'm reading the audio version of the book with a special guest. I'm not going to be reading the uh, the the part of the female lead. I'm going to be reading it with a special guest. And so, yes, there will be an audio version of The Nefarious Carol as well. So pre-orders today at Amazon.com for a December the 15th release. Also, want to mention our one of our new sponsors here, one of my favorite products, um, even before they came on board, I was spending out of my own pocket for Built Bar. It is, it is, it, dude, it's a life-changing product. Straight up, like a TiVo, something like that. It's the kind of thing that once you try it, you're going to think, how come I just now learned about this? I know. I bought a box just because I was so skeptical of how a college football podcaster I listened to was pimping the heck out of this stuff. And I'm like, it cannot be that good. So I bought it, tried it. Um, Cause there's really only one protein bar. I can, I like the taste of, and then can also digest that. See, that's the thing. It's not usually you, you can digest them, but don't like the taste or you like the taste, but then you can't digest them well. So I, I've got one and then there's only one flavor of that one. And as much as I love chocolate chip cookie dough, it gets really old eating the same flavor over and over again. Right? So I listened to this podcast. I've been on the hunt for something I could digest that wasn't loaded with sugar that tastes good. And I'm like, this can never happen. I heard this talk show host raving about it, and I thought, no way. So out of spite, I used his promo code and ordered some. Holy cow. I then went on and bought like two more boxes. I'm on my fifth box from these guys, or fifth or sixth that I bought in just the last few months. And now, lo and behold, they're on board. They taste great. Um, how many? 18 different flavors, all covered in chocolate. I've got uh, with me today uh, chocolate-covered apple crisp and chocolate-covered pumpkin. That's what I brought with me today. I went full fall today. I know that will surprise you. Not at all, Erzin. Not right. at all. Looking forward to having my, my, my built bars here during the show. You want to try them as well. Use the promo code Steve to get 20% off your first order today at builtbar.com. Builtbar.com. 
promo code Steve to get 20% off. All right, coming your way next hour, we'll get to your feedback via the stevedace.com inbox. But we begin, as always, on a Friday with the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by Home Title Lock. What does COVID-19 have to do with losing your home? Turns out it could be a lot because cybercrime has exploded this year, up 75%. And that's because we're doing more things online. So we're exposed more online than ever before. And that's where our home titles are kept these days as well. And cyber criminals know this. So they go find your home title online, forge your signature on a quit claim deed, and then refile as the new owner of your home. And before you know it, they're liquidating your investment. They're cashing in on your equity they're taking out loans on your property sticking you with the payments and sometimes you don't even find out until the foreclosure or eviction notice shows up that's where home title lock comes in Uh, for pennies a day they will put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever they will mobilize to shut it down but first things first go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and maybe don't know yet at hometitlelock.com and then while you're there use the promo code radio to get 30 free days of protection for your safe haven, your home at hometitlelock.com, promo code radio. Let's get to issue one. Bleep, Democrats say. Mike Lees and the William Bars and the Sean Hannity's and the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society. Nothing about this today is normal. This is not normal. F*** all you colonizers. Every single one of you that's against Black Lives Matter can f*** the f*** off. But you condemn white supremacy, correct? Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? Yes, Judge. I think this hearing is a sham. Madam Speaker, these are, these are incredibly difficult times right now, uh, and we'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much yeah. for joining now, we'll us. We'll leave it on the vote that you are not right on this, Wilk, and I hate to say that to uh, you, but I feel confident about it, and I feel confident about my colleagues, and I feel confidence in my chairs. It's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, and we represent them, and we represent them, and we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. I know you are. And as this crowd is chanting that there are members of the press here who suck, I should also point out, Wolf, what also sucks, getting the coronavirus. There, we're now having issues in the Orthodox Jewish community in New York, where because of their religious practices, etc., we're seeing a spread. Well, the rest of this year will not be normal. And, you know, the sooner we deliver that somewhat bad news to people so they can get ready uh, for what will be a tough fall, the better. The family gathering around Thanksgiving, but that is a risk. You may have to bite the bullet and sacrifice that social gathering. Only way we'll get completely back to normal is uh, by having 
not maybe not the first generation vaccines, but eventually a vaccine that is super effective and that a lot of the people take and that we get the disease eliminated on a global basis. Uh, that is where we can finally uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education, mental health, and start to, to build back in a positive way. <laughs> the kinds of investment. Sir, I've got to ask you about packing the court. Don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. They'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. No. Yes. Uh, Gallup reported last week 50, 56% of Americans said that they were better off today than they were four years ago, would have been under the Obama-Biden administration. So why should people who feel that they are better off today under the Trump administration vote for you? Well, if they think that, they probably shouldn't. I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor, okay? You have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances, de-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you and the first thing you do is shoot to kill, you shoot them in the leg. The idea that an eight-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. So first question, what was your favorite ride on the crazy carousel this week? Chris is our guest. You get to go first. Brother, go ahead. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff, but I think my favorite thing is always going to be that crowd behind Jim Acosta chanting, CNN sucks, and you know... You know he just wants to turn around and go, you suck too, and he can't do it. And watching him in agony over that is just, it makes my day every week. Um, Joe Biden is the other thing too. I think, you know, throughout the week I had this weird feeling like he's starting to do better in the presidential campaign. Like I watched the whole town hall last night, and if you take away like the atrocious answers that he gave on the transgender question and uh, the shooting the leg thing, he sounded calm. He sounded collected. He's, he sounded like he was able to put complete sentences together in a way that a lot of people were expecting he might have a senior moment for. And then you just put all those clips together and you're reminded that this guy is just not with it. So I don't know. Uh, over the next 18 days, we'll see whether or not he can keep it up or if he continues to fall apart. And we'll see if the American people pick up on that. Todd. Not my favorite. I'm going to compile three of them. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking this personally. Joe Biden on transgenderism. Governor Andrew Cuomo as just it, fear as a cudgel. F- fear as, as the game. Fear as policy. Nancy Pelosi just flat out lost her damn mind like wolf blitzer is now suddenly too much she can't even because how dare you do you not know who i am what do these three people have in common anybody don't and don't pull your punches they're catholic is my church the church that these i'm not saying that i believe to be the one true church true church as it says it is most fully ordered through time founded by christ himself is it ever going to get off its ass and excommunicate somebody these are foul people they've excommunicated themselves the church just recognizes it it's time you step up 
eight-year-olds get to decide their gender. Cuomo gets to be a tyrant as a matter of policy. Nancy Pelosi just gets to be crazy. I'm sick of this. I'm really sick of this. I'm going to keep saying things that are problematic. So somebody talk. I'm, I'm just done. Aaron. Why do I always have to follow up Todd on Fridays? (laughs) Um, I think for me, it's also a compilation. Like it's getting to the point now where there's just no, the, the cloward pivoting of just crazy where it's like, I, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you, Chris at all, but aside from the answers about shooting people in the leg as a means of control and the transgendering of eight year olds answer, it was a pretty good town hall. Those should be disqualifying yeah, for yes. anybody, including I mean, most catcher. of the protests have been but, peaceful. Yeah. Most of the 93% of the protests have yeah. been peaceful, but that's the cloward pivoting of, of crazy of the, of insanity, Excellent point. of mouth of insanity to where yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, uh, transgendering of eight year olds. Let's just throw another shrimp on the Barbie here. That's what they do though. They so, overload what is what is that uh, what is that called jamming that's a that's mm-hmm. a technique i, I believe uh, from rules for radar i, I might i might the marketing mis- of evil yeah, David yeah, oh, thank you thank you i appreciate yep. that J- just jamming but not with one thing with a million different pieces of insanity these people should be in padded rooms with a straight jacket but yet they're like you know i don't care what you're, it's it's another day that ends in y in america but i think three examples that that stand out to me this week one, I believe it was the day or maybe the day after the BLM and Antifa people in Portland organized a, uh, an indigenous people's day of rage where they toppled statues and, and raged against the colonizers. That Cory Booker sits in front of Amy Coney Barrett and a, a mother of, of seven, right, of seven people, two of them adopted uh, a pinnacle of excellence, a symbol of what this country can offer to people. And you, well, you you deny or you uh, you you speak out against uh, white supremacy, correct? While that's going on, it's just the mouth of of madness. The same week that that happens, yeah, sorry, people, you're going to have to bite the bullet and not do Thanksgiving this year, Doctor Anthony Fauci. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, we're still being told by uh, by uh, by Andrew Cuomo in New York, this is not a policy derived out of science. It's a policy derived out of fear. Bill Gates saying uh, we can't really get back to normal until the second generation of the vaccine. That's hmm. Oh, these goalposts goal are getting about uh, as wide as as sea to shining sea here for a virus for that a has vi- a point one three yes um, CFR slightly higher or IFR slightly higher than the flu. And yeah. meanwhile, you have the Democrat symbol, Joe Biden. I am the Democrat Party, pulling down his mask, coughing into his mask, and who is more confident that an eight year old should be able to transgender than he is what office he's actually running for. That's the state of the, the that's the state of this country right now. I can't think of any other generation of Americans that if someone had gone on national TV running for president and advocated that an eight year old should be able to lop off their private parts if they want, wouldn't have that person arrested. I'm dead serious. I, I can't think of another generation where you would not like face a criminal charge or something for that. 
Exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being Maisie Hirano's IQ, uh, and 10 representing the tar on her soul. Uh, rate this week's level of total depravity. Aaron? 10. Chris? 10. Todd? Infinity in hell. Issue 2. 18 days. President Trump and Joe Biden held dueling town halls last night with President Trump on NBC and Joe Biden on ABC. As the president, I have to be out there. I also know well, there's no one that says you can't be out there, but it's just about wearing masks and having, for example, your well, rallies. I, I have not been a fan of Pat Co- uh, court packing because I think it just generates what will happen. Every whoever wins, it just keeps moving in a way that is inconsistent with what is going to be manageable. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I then say uh, it depends on how this turns out. There's tremendous spikes. But our death rate is worse than, well, not Spain, but those well, other I have, countries. I have the United States is down. 21%. But we have, per, our deaths per capita is among the highest. I wouldn't be able to get the word out. And the word, well, the word is, is false. And you know Vaccines, they say, have a very positive impact and they're going to affect positively 85% of the American public. We should be talking about depending on the continuation of the spread of the virus, we should be thinking about making a mandate. How could you enforce that? Well, you couldn't. Dumped in a garbage can and they happen to have my name on it, I'm not happy okay, about that. But just, those are cases, there is no, there is in fact no evidence of widespread fraud. I want the money to go to directly are to Senate the Republicans people. with you? They're going to go big? They'll for go. big yeah, old number? Go. You have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances. De-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you and the first thing you do is shoot to kill, you shoot them in the leg. There's they got rid of the individual mandate. But that the, went the through promise the was repeal and replace. We will always protect people with pre-existing but conditions. if you're successful and in court in November... The idea that an eight-year-old child or a ten-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. Polling update according to the Real Clear Politics polling average, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. That was weird. Anyway, the real clear politics polling average of the battleground states has Joe Biden with a nearly two-point lead in Florida, a six-and-a-half-point lead in Pennsylvania, a seven-point lead in Michigan, a six-point lead in Wisconsin, a nearly three-point lead in North Carolina, and a four-point lead in Arizona. The election is in 18 days. So I've done this with several other polls. Um, and I, I may have gotten two Florida polls polled, polled P-U-L-L-E-D, polled earlier today. Uh, from distribution when I pointed out uh, their scamology of methodology. All right. So I haven't done this yet with this Trafalgar group on the air. They have a poll. Now, I was told a, a, a couple of weeks ago that the Trump campaign basically viewed Michigan as not winnable at the moment and wasn't focusing their efforts on there. So Trafalgar comes out. Trafalgar group was the most accurate poll of 2016 when it came to the battleground state. So Rasmussen was nationally. Trafalgar group, which is a GOP polling firm, actually was the most accurate in in their battleground state polling in 2016. And as of now, we will have a guest from Trafalgar Group next week. Right. And and so they have a poll out in Michigan today that actually has Trump slightly ahead, despite the fact that the camp, I was told from the campaign about a week and a half ago, that's not, on, that's not one of their main targets or radar on their radar right now. So I went and looked at their methodology. I've not done this with one of their polls yet. All right. 
So um, on their method, they have it right now, 46.5 for Trump, 45.9 for Biden. 2% are undecided. All right. So they have 63% of the electorate in Michigan, 45 and older in their poll. It was 58% in 2016. So it's, it's a little high, but I wouldn't lose my mind over that. Okay. I mean, that, you could absolutely see a turnout model change like that. Uh, they have 54% of their samples being uh, female responders. It was actually the gender gap in Michigan was 52 to 48 in 2016. So they actually have it weighted slightly higher to, to females. But again, nothing that you would look at uh, that would be um, crazy. Uh, they have 81.6% uh, of the voters in Michigan in 2016 in their, or 2020 in their poll being white. That number was 75% in 2016. So uh, a little elevated, but it's not some number that is historically just not achievable. Uh, they have black turnout at 13.3% in their poll. It was 15% in Michigan in 2016. Uh, they have Hispanic turnout way down. At 1.9%, it was 5% in Michigan. There's not a, hard, a large Hispanic uh, population there. And um, I maybe would take some issue with that. But we're also, have been talking this entire campaign that Democrats may be having historical problems with their Hispanic turnout, right? We had the governor of Puerto Rico endorse Trump. We had the all, all of white America, except people that just are way into promoting trump thought that first debate was a disaster except the the, the telemundo audience loved it <laughs> remember that poll so i don't know i i, I might want to ask a question about that but if democrats are having historically low or historic problems with hispanic turnout and michigan's not a state that has a high hispanic turnout i don't i don't think that that's nuts whatsoever and so when i when i look at their methodology i don't see anything in their methodology that comes close to some of the things we've pointed out in the other polls so then it just comes down to are they good at this and and you find out on election day right so but but when you look at their methodology i don't see anything that's nuts compared to some of these other polls well pretty much all these other polls that we've examined uh on the show up until now all right so i just wanted to throw that out there because i saw their poll out there just a few minutes ago gentlemen your thoughts on where things stand 18 days to go chris we'll start with you i've been thinking about this a lot and i honestly don't know who's going to win the election uh, I could tell you that in 2016, around this time, we were like two or three weeks away from the election. I was starting to feel like, you know, Hillary Clinton had all the leads and everybody in the media was saying that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And I was just like, are you sure? I, I, I kind of think like Trump might pull this off. This time, I don't have that same feeling. And, you know, take it for what it is. This is just a gut feeling. I, I think that people are really just too scared of the coronavirus to think rationally about it. I think that they don't think that Trump is a calm, reassuring presence. I think they're aggravated at the way that Trump behaves and the way that Trump, his personality is dominating. And that's the issue. I think his personalities are dominating this election, not issues. And when personalities are the focus of the election, like you're always saying, Steve, mm -hmm. the Democrats win. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way things are trending. If you look down ballot, there are a lot of Senate races that should not be as close as they are. And if that's an indicator of how things nationally are going to go, then I think the Democrats are going to hold the House. I think uh, Republicans, they may pick up like Doug Jones' seat in Alabama, but they will barely hold on to their majority if they don't lose it by one or two seats. And I think if the Congress goes, it's probably a good indicator that Trump may not perform as well as he did in 2016. And he won by what, like 72,000 votes between Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania in 2016? It's about 78,000. Yep. Yeah. 
So if he doesn't do as well as he did in 2016, that's not a big margin. It's likely he could lose a close election. Totally agree. If, it, if, if the election is about orange man bad, he is not going to win. Outside of the clicks it generates and in, in, in our core audiences in conservative media, there is really no desire or attraction to his base persona that is often displayed to the American people. It just doesn't exist outside of um, what generates clicks on our, in, amongst our customers. It just doesn't exist in mainstream America. If it's about with, with the next four years and who's best to put America back to where it was prior to March 11th, then he'll win that election. But his job is to make it about that. That's his job. And he has missed opportunities to do that. He hired Scott Atlas at least a month too late. All right. Um, he, he blew an opportunity to do that at the last debate. Didn't even bring up his own record. Just pestered Joe Biden the entire time. So I completely agree with that analysis. I think you could have the exact same analysis and come to a different conclusion because I agree with you. I don't know who's going to win. And I, and, and I said yesterday, if I worked on the Trump campaign, my answer to the president, Todd, would be, uh, tell me what stories are trending nationally the day before the election. And that's who I believe is going to win. Yeah. Well, I'll, I honestly think if I, if I had to pick today, I, I would pick uh, Trump winning. And I, n- not a single vibe that you have, uh, Chris, doesn't go through me at some point. Uh, but, uh, and if, it, if I thought he was definitely going to lose, it would be nice just to be able to, you know, make my peace with that and move on. But listen, we just got done talking about this Mi- Michigan poll, right? Plus one Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who, if... She, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, in terms of coronavirus fear and orange man bad, she doesn't take a backseat to anybody. If that's real in that state, Michigan, Trump is going to win. Because I, I, oh, I agree. If Trump were to win Michigan, he would win the election. Yeah, that's my point. I, I, I agree. And I think I if yeah. it's trending that way. And last night, again, I, I know people are just I, I, losing their minds about Savannah Guthrie. When I, she's exactly what you would have guessed she would be i i I think i was just happy like he did exactly what i told him to do he was just a happy warrior he was likable he didn't get flustered by anything he didn't let her bother if he would have done that with joe biden my goodness it would be michigan plus five by now i i think he and trust me i tweeted about this his answers were meandering they weren't particularly uh convincing uh, they certainly weren't conservative in a lot of ways but yeah donald trump but he was likable uh, there's there was no denying that just like Apparently, and I've only seen the clips of despite the crazy we talked about with Biden, uh, you know, that he sounded more lucid in just terms of speech patterns. Okay, that's fine. But Trump was definitely more likable. If he can maintain that, and if this is true in Michigan, he's going to win. Aaron? Yeah, I, I, I'm basically at the same place as, uh, as y'all are. I, I just, there's just a lot of things we have to admit to ourselves that just don't add up. Based on the anecdotal and the, and I'm doing air quotes here, and the, uh, based on anecdotal versus scientific or polling data, what have you. Because anecdotally and the, looking at the environment, Trump should be winning by a large margin. 
right now. But then when you look at the polling, there's been some polling that's been out over the summer favoring mask mandates, favoring lockdowns, saying that uh, people are scared. What makes us think that any of those polls is supposedly showing a majority of Americans favoring these absurd policies to curb the virus? What makes you think that those aren't made up or those aren't uh, uh, poisoned the same way that some of the polls we see for the presidential race are right now? So there are just a ton of things that just don't add up. Because what I'm seeing anecdotally, if you go into a local business, at least around here anyway, I don't know if you guys have the same experience, virtually none of them require masks. And none of those local businesses that I've been to anyway, or it could just be, again, this is anecdotal, they don't wear masks there. You go into the national chains, all everybody has a mask mandate there. And you look at people as well. People seem to be anecdotally pretty sick of of wearing a mask and all of these stupid lockdowns and just covid fatigue uh but then you also hear stories about people just continuing to be panicked uh, as all get out as well so there's just a lot of things that really don't make up make sense and i tend to agree that whatever's whatever is the big talking point a week or a few days before the election that's going to be what determines it and i can guarantee you that qanon which donald trump was asked about last night is not going to be one of those issues guys it's just it's not very quickly exit question if the election were today who would win aaron trump trump, trump. chris biden yeah i have, i don't know i'm copping out i get to do that it's my show yeah. we'll come back Biden, Burisma, and Big Tech next. You know, one of the things that makes us happy about being pet owners is making our pets happy, making our dogs happy. So we take them for walks. Some of you even take them for runs. You feed them, you give them treats, right? Well, you know what your dog also needs to make them happy uh, is better nutrition because chances are it's lacking from that dead as a doornail food that you bought at the uh, at the grocery store because it's been stripped of uh, pretty much all the nutrients your pet needs, just like a lot of our food has been. That's why we've made the supplement industry so lucrative as humans. Same thing goes for our pets. A lot of those pre probiotics, uh, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, omega oils, not in your dog's store bought food, but with Rough Greens Vita Smart, it will go back in. It's not a new dog food, it's a premium dog food supplement that you mix in with the food your dog already loves. And it puts all the good stuff uh, back in the food, and they'll love the taste of it even more. At least our dog cap does. And right now, you can try. Uh, for just fourteen ninety five, and see if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less when you get the jumpstart bag at roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F. That's how they spell it. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. All right, let's get back to the Dace Group, our weekly look at the week that was. We welcome back in our good friend Chris Pandolfo. Let's get to issue three, Biden, Burisma, and Big Tech. Two bombshells dropped this week from the New York Post regarding sleazy at best dealings between Hunter Biden, Ukrainian and Chinese businesses, and his father, Joe Biden. Both post exposés were the result of a trove of data gathered from a hard drive backup of a laptop that was dropped off at a Delaware computer repair shop near the Biden's hometown that was never picked up. The laptop in question was seized by the FBI in 2019, but not before the computer repair shop saved a copy of the hard drive, and it eventually ended up in the hands of Trump allies 
by Rudy Giuliani. The first post story showed emails from executives at Ukrainian energy company Burisma, where Hunter Biden was on the board, thanking Biden for introducing them to his father at the time, Vice President Joe Biden. Months later, the elder Biden successfully pressured Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was looking into corruption at the aforementioned Burisma. The second expose featured emails between Hunter Biden and executives at a now-defunct Chinese energy firm detailing Hunter's pursuit of lucrative yet opaque business deals that would be, quote, interesting to me and my family. The stories are troubling at best, but the truly disturbing part of this saga is the story around the stories. With both exposés, both Facebook and Twitter did their darndest to suppress the stories, with Twitter outright banning the sharing of URLs to the Post articles. In response, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley sent a letter to the Federal Elections Commission alleging Twitter was violating federal election law by doing so. Later, Senator Ted Cruz announced a vote to subpoena Twitter and Facebook executives Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg, respectively. Further, Federal Communications Commission Chairman Ajit Pai announced late on Thursday that he confirmed he and the FCC has the legal authority to interpret Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, which in effect has allowed Twitter and Facebook to get away with monopolistic behavior as he deems fit. The digital Cold War went hot this week. So, I think we're all going to stipulate that a guy with an overall fairly mediocre professional profile and who is sadly, apparently addicted to crack, wasn't going to get foreign uh, companies and foreign nationals in the Ukraine and China to pay him the lucrative princely sums that they did if his name were Hunter Pandolfo, Hunter Dace, Hunter Erzin, right? It's because his name is Hunter Biden. Can we, all, we can all stipulate to that, right? Stipulate. And just move on to that. Yeah. That that he was running some form. He's, of, he's of, admitted to that as well. Yeah, yeah. He's running some form of Biden found Clinton Foundation, Biden Foundation scam, and there that he was running it. Now it's just a matter of whether his dad was in on it or he was just you know being the uh, the shady black sheep of the family. We don't know that yet. Okay, but that to me is not in dispute. So let not with that stipulated and and tabled. What is the bigger story here? The the Biden Barisma corruption and how far it goes. And by the way, we still have not gotten to the story that I was told earlier this week was coming before we even got the New York Post story. And I'm told that story is coming next week, that there's more on this and it's coming next week is what I was told. And it's a completely it's got similar uh, uh, strains, but it's a separate story to this. So there's there's going to be another front on this opened up next week, I am told. So what's the bigger story here, the Biden-Burisma corruption and where it may lead, or the, the, the long-standing outcome and impact of big tech's attempt to censor this story this week? Todd, I'll start with you. It's the big tech censorship. I mean, when, when we were doing um, the Ukraine uh, impeachment with Trump, and Steve, you alluded to it earlier in the week, you know, like, quid pro quo, like, yeah, like, Welcome to politics throughout all of history, American or otherwise. Uh, this is how things uh, work on some level. Does Is this worth investigating, uh, even despite the hypocrisy? Uh, yes, but again, this is you know human nature. It's, it's how this goes. But it's the big tech censorship, though, where it's purely Orwellian. The, 
two legs, uh, four legs good, two legs bad. It, it's absolutely where we live. And don't forget, uh, st- we've we told you this before 2020. Like enough of the what happens when down the road if we don't. Say, we are at the bottom of the slippery slope. It is for full Orwell. We're in the novel right now, and there is simply no chance uh, of avoiding civil war if the rules aren't even remotely even in any venue for discussion and they increasingly aren't we are being fauci'd at every single level we're being fauci'd with the medicine with uh science we're being fauci'd with medicine we're being fauci'd with the polling we're being fauci'd with this these aren't dumb people that it's not that they're not capable but the worldview the spirit of the age is so dominant now that it promises without shame without shame jack was caught twitter jack was caught red-handed they're still going to try to win it they're not going to apologize so you have to fight back with extreme prejudice that there that's where the rubber meets the road on this you this victory must be won so i just got a notification that facebook is claiming that when i posted the actual cdc data earlier this week where they studied the outpatient centers in 11 uh, 11 outpatient centers around the country with people who ended up testing positive for the virus and one of the questions they asked them was about their personal mask use. Yep. And 85% of the people, this is right from the CDC data, 85% of the people claimed that they were wearing their mask always or often. Now, I didn't say this at the time. Let's assume that some of that is inflated. I want a virtue signal. You know what I'm saying? I don't sure. want, I don't mm-hmm. want you to know that I'm one of these uh, troglodytes who doesn't believe in the science right. that you haven't proven to me. And let's just say that number's in half. It's not that, it wouldn't be that inflated, but let's even inflate it. Let's say it's inflated by half. That still would mean 45, 50% of the people that went in there um, were legitimately wearing masks and then still tested positive for the virus, okay? So Facebook sent and is sending out to my followers on Facebook. Here's what, I'm just going to read to you what it says. Um, a post shared by your page is missing context. Independent fact checkers at Science Feedback say that information in a post shared by Steve Dace is missing context and could mislead people. We've added a notice to the post from independent fact checkers. Here's their fact check. Here's verbatim. I'm going to read it to you. Mask use does not increase risk of COVID-19 as viral social media posts claim. That's not what you were claiming. I never made that claim. I didn't make that claim at all. I never said that. I didn't say that. I just said it clearly didn't stop these people from getting it. I didn't say it caused them to get it. I, I, did, I just said it didn't stop them from getting it. I didn't make, they fact-checked me and highlighted me on a claim I never what? made. I never made this they, claim. They are clearly in the realm of publisher, at least in this specific instance of their platform. No question. And you can sue them for that because they're ma- they're lying about what you said I, that, as a there's publisher. There's no question. I never made that claim. I never made the claim. Have I, and I've never, have I made that claim even to you guys privately? No. No. I've not made that claim. I've said masks don't work, and they don't work. All the data shows they don't work. That's why they didn't fact check me on that. 
They fact-checked me on something I never even said. That's just a real-time example of the Orwellian behavior going on here. And at some point, if, if, at some point, if government doesn't exist to stop unaccountable entities from obtaining a monopoly on the flow of information in a free society, then there's really no reason for government then to exist at all. Chris, what are your thoughts? I agree with you guys that the big tech stuff is more important than the Joe Biden story. And that's the reason it's more important is because uh, Facebook and Twitter and social media has become such a dominant force in how people obtain their information that uh, people forget that these are private companies. They have their own editorial point of view. And as far as the law goes, they're allowed to use that editorial bill point of view to decide which posts they like, which posts they want to feature, and which posts will get seen by more people who are using their platform, and which posts they want to suppress. And so what you saw this week, more or less, is the first reason that Facebook and Twitter each gave for suppressing the Hunter Biden story was, you know, they didn't think it was authoritative reporting. Facebook said they were going to limit its distribution because they wanted an independent fact check to review it first. Twitter just said, well, it's not authoritative reporting and also violates our policies on sharing images that have Hunter Biden's email. And so we're going to just ban it outright. Now, what people have to understand is they, they have that power under the law to do that. So if you want to circumvent these liberal, progressively run companies, which have a point of view, which are obviously intending to use that point of view to influence how people receive information, you either A, have to figure out a way around them, whether it's as a media company is not using social media platforms, going back to things like email, going directly to your customers rather than trying to use this medium, or you have to get the government involved to regulate it. My feeling is the government's going to become involved in regulating it uh, for good or for ill, you know, because, you know, Republicans, conservatives are not always going to be in charge of the federal government. They're not always going to be in charge of regulatory bodies. In fact, the way that these things tend to go is progressives end up in charge of the regulatory bodies because progressives are the ones who like government. Uh, So it's just a I don't know if there's a way out of that because of the nature of how big these companies have gotten, because of the nature of how government just keeps growing and growing and growing, and people's freedoms are becoming more and more limited. There's only one way out of it. If you don't get government to affirmatively defend your freedoms, we all know there's only one way out of it. And that is what I am afraid of. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm trying, I, I'm doing what I can in my little corner of the universe to never have us forced to the conclusion that they're trying to force us to. That, the, that there's only one way the people who own all the guns are going to get to protect any form of their rights or freedoms at all. And I don't, I don't want to see that. I, I would not like to hand that off to my children. But if, if the people you elect don't enforce regulations and laws and rules, then if it, if eventually, if it is every man for himself then the people with the guns are going to act accordingly. And there's no way, there's no way, there's right. there's no other path. There's no other end game other than that end game unless we have a political party that actually does the stuff we elect them to do so yes. that we have a viable voice, voice in the process. So we, not even a majority voice, viable. Like we don't just get run over on everything. Like we win every now and then on something, on something without that. Eventually, the people who own all the guns are going to say, well, then I guess it's up to me, right? I, I looked in the mirror, and it, it turned out it was up to me. Lock and load. I would like that to not happen. But we're heading down that path, and fast, folks, fast. Todd, you get the last well, word. And Justin Amash, he's not a conservative. He's a libertarian, so he's being on, he's, he's, he's on the side of Twitter on this, the private company, all that stuff. 
but in conservatives oh, for many years and i know i've lazily fallen prey to that in my youth about you know just bromide smaller government i yeah it's about subsidiarity the appropriate role of government in its sphere we we have zoning laws for a reason are we against those as conservatives i if i live right here i don't want a disco moving next to me so i can't sleep at night are zoning laws tyrannical excellent point it's the appropriate role of government in the proper sphere we're not against we don't believe in no government this is just stupid and lazy. Yeah. So get on board with getting rid of these tyrannies because that is the role of government. It's and I'll get in on this very very quickly. Uh, it's a total straw man. It's a total straw man. Well, you just want bigger government. No, we want government. We just want some government. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of government would be, would that be okay? And it's the mob bell. It's the mob bell example that you yeah, brought right, up before. Right. It's it, it's any number of discriminate. It it is the way. It is the technology by which we communicate and we have the town square dialogue. When you're censoring one one side of the aisle on that, uh, you. you that's just untenable, as you said. Hey, if, tell you what. If you guys don't want government, fine. Just keep in mind we own all the guns. All right. So if you don't want any government, then okay, okay, you want us to just play this out with on, on strictly individual autonomy means. Just remember, you're picking on the people who own all the guns. Then okay, Ex- uh, You know what? I'm going to skip the exit question. Let's go right to predictions. Todd, go. You go first. Well, if if things definitely trend in the next couple weeks towards Trump, Fauci is going to quit. And he is going to have some sort of 11th hour complaint against Donald Trump. I think that's going to happen regardless. But it's a good prediction. Chris. I think that the Democrats, whether it's controlling the presidency or if they win this control of the Senate, are going to be the dri- in the driver's seat in the next Supreme Court nomination. I think they're probably going to fill Clarence Thomas's seat when he retires. And that's going to rebalance the court and give them an excuse not to, not to pack it. Aaron. Uh, there will be at least one more presidential debate. Uh, I'm going to predict Kamala Harris is never president, regardless of what happens on November the third. I, I just, I, I just don't believe the Democratic Party is going to hand over its branding to her uh, in that kind of packaging and put all of their collective fates in her hands. I just, I don't believe that. I don't. Um, so that's my prediction. Kamala Harris will never be president, regardless of what does or doesn't happen on November 3rd or Joe Biden's health or anything of that nature. I just don't think it'll ever happen. Chris, good to see you as always, man. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. You bet. All right. When we come back, we're going to get to Feedback Friday, and we're going to start with an email that is going to blow your minds. I promise. Not a t- This is not tongue-in-cheek. You know, I, you know, I like to do that every now and then. Straight up. Straight up, man. Minds are going to be blown when I share this email with you. I didn't think it was true. I tested it myself during the last break. It is true. What I'm about to share with you. Stay tuned. And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, with Aaron McIntyre. Sorry, I just took a drink of the caffeine-free Dr. Pepper. They had it again at Walmart yesterday. 
I'm happy. I saw you waxing about that. I didn't have to use my AK. Today was a good day. Yes. So uh, forgive the uh, the Marco Rubio moment there. Um, so we are going to get to Feedback Friday here on the Steve Day Show, hour number two. That's Todd Erzin. That's Aaron McIntyre. That's all of you. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Over on Parlor at Steve Dace. YouTube. Go to our new YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace as well. And if you are a podcast listener, if you haven't done this yet, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review and hitting that subscribe button on whichever uh, platform you podcast the program through we would appreciate you for doing that whether it's itunes stitcher google play spotify amazon uh so we're on i forgot to tell you guys we're on amazon music now which apparently has podcasts it's true yeah we're there too so uh leave us a five-star review hit that subscribe button the more of you that do that for us the more it helps the podcast to grow and we want to thank all of you that have done that for us already All right, part one of Feedback Friday is brought to you by Scoremaster. You know, the average American has almost 100 points that they could gain out there um, in a few months on their credit score and just doesn't know how to obtain them. And that's where Scoremaster comes in. It's the new credit science that will help you super boost your credit score. Now, what do we mean by super boost? How about the fact that the average Scoremaster user can raise their score 61 points in 20 days or less 61 points in 20 days or less that makes a huge difference you know going from the mid 500s to the low 600s could be the difference on whether you even get approved for that business home or car loan going from the 600s to the 700s can certainly improve the offer that you're given with your approval and the interest rate etc so it makes a big difference plus a lot of a lot of employers are doing uh, credit reports as background checks these days as well and so how does this work it shows you the real information and data it lays it bare for you puts the information empowers you with it in your hands so that you're in control of your fate and not the banks and then it shows you specific Specifically, what you can do to get to the score you're specifically shooting for. You can enroll in minutes, see how many plus points Scoremaster can help you add to your score and how long it'll take to get there when you visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. That's scoremaster.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to Feedback Friday. And I want to begin with an email I just received a few minutes ago. And now I'm a little concerned that I blew this out of proportion, but I hope not, because it blew my mind. And I read this email just a few minutes ago, and I'm like, there's no way this is true. What did they pumpkin spice now? And, and this, this is going to give pumpkin spice a run for its money. Uh, and then I went and I ran the numbers myself, and lo and behold, it is true. All right? It is true, this email I'm about to send to you. Or, or, or share with you. One of my favorite stories of the 2004 election cycle is John Kerry was asked once on the campaign trail, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? And he said John 16.3 instead of John 3.16, which is, you know, most people's default, right? When they're not quoting Matthew 7 out of context, Right. And when you go to John 16, 3, you know what it says. And they will do these things because they do not know me. Unintentional self-owns are always the best, right? Okay. Keep that in mind. I mean, that's cosmic stuff right there, right? That's cosmic. 
This is a note from William Gleason. And he just sent this to the show earlier this morning, and I just saw it a few minutes ago. You guys probably already know this, but do your viewers and listeners know this? If you take the year 2020 Uh as a number, (laughs) and you divide 2020 as a number by the number 666, you get 3.0330. And so I did that math in, during the last break. It is true. 2020 divided by 666 is 3.0330. Guys, the text number oh, for yeah. joining <laughs> Biden Harris is 30330. Yeah, I've seen this. Is this Harold Camping trolling you? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> well, depending on which day Biden said, text Joe to 303303 because he said that before as well. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come come on, man. Are you kidding me with this? How many number combinations out there are there? How many other text numbers could you have? And they just happen to be given this one? Okay, I... What is the... Aaron, why are... What is the deal with that number? Like, how are they assigned? Or how do you get... Do you know this? Um, Usually, campaigns and businesses will just try to find one that's easy to remember. Yeah. What? So like it's I'm just sure kind of, it's pretty they, random. I'm sure they didn't like, you know, let, I don't think they plotted this. That's what no, makes no, no, it no, effective. but I want to know how it happens, but that. It's, it's pretty random as far as I'm aware. Is that? Yeah. Dude, are you kidding me with this? Crazy voices in the head. I tell yeah. you. Yeah. Um, Next I, on Coast. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow the shadow people. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, one step away, guys. I'm five minutes from there. All right? Our post-election year show is going to be as lit as the Gadsden Mall. We have some stuff coming down the pipe. What? We were assuming you're being lied to for this year? What? I don't... You know I'm going to be dividing everything by 666 forever from Next, now on? Yeah. To the calculator! First of all, who did that first? Who did that first? Who thought, you know, I'm going to divide 2020 by 666 and then match it up with Joe Biden's text campaign number? Who thought to do that, first of all? Maybe, you know what? Let, yesterday we had to start the hashtag. Hashtag Joe Biden or, or uh, Hunter Biden's computer repair guy did not kill himself. We had to start that hashtag yesterday. New hashtag. Guy who first divided 2020 by 666 did not kill himself. Who came up with this? And it's legit. Next year's theme is Carpathia Cometh. Come on. Come on, man. (laughs) Even you sitting over there in the Catholic corner. No, 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 no. You cannot wreck that. Come on. I'm not trying. 
I, I got out my obvious low-hanging fruit Harold Camping joke, and then I'm in. Uh, the, n- I'm just, wow. Here, what, this is what we said before wow. about Orwell, but about the spirit of the, it's not rhetoric. It never was, but it's, we're in it. We are in the upside down. We are at the bottom of the slippery slope. It, this of spirit of the age this you knew this to be true this just puts an actual bit of eerie math on it but we know it to be true i'm broken right now this this is how i am broken right now this is how you get a man named joe biden who has been in politics longer than steve and i have been alive not in politics. He's been in like on a national yes. level, not in like national, yes. not like city councilman, right. like on a national level, longer yes. than you and I've been alive. And you see the swath of issues that he's taken up. The guy saying the eulogy at the Grand Cleagle of the, the Grand K- Cyclops yes. of the KKK, what? Robert Birdie called him a friend, mentor, and guide. Yes. yes, that was when he was vice president in the United States. Yes. Robert Byrd died in 2012. How I does believe. that guy? Just yesterday, say, eight-year-olds should be able to transgender themselves. It's because of that math. That's it. Dude, I'm just like, holy freaking crap. Are you kidding me with that? Like, I'm struggling to, like, move on. I'm just like, wow. This is what I Han Solo, it's real. All of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the walk... Biden, Pelosi, Cuomo, look what they think. Look what they believe. Look how they hate. It's that math. Mm. The devil's arithmetic is what you're saying. Yes. Listen, God, from the the stars, astronomy, math, the the Greeks, they they were all learning about God and his order through, through those things. Design, math—it—it's general it's not, revelation. Yes, yeah. it's not random. We're back in Romans one. This is how we know. Well, just as with everything else, we were just talking yesterday about your book, Steve. The the up the the devil is the upside down. He it's so envious. He has his own version of everything because he so badly wants to usurp God. Yes, the devil has his own math. Hmm. Let's try to move on. I'm not sure I can, but we'll give it a shot. Thomas Sutterfield has some issues. He says, hey, all you guys do is lie. I've been a faithful viewer listener for years, but the lies have become too much. Please see the following examples of your show's rampant deceit. Awesome. I have placed numerous handicapping wagers on the Bundesliga without a win. Vinegar has not cured any of my health ailments. I made pumpkin spice spaghetti for my wife and ended up at my parents' house. I cannot find a single reputable real estate agent at realestateagentssteevedaystrust.com. I've used Field of Greens on my lawn all summer without growing a single <laughs> serving of veggies. I've sprinkled rough greens on my morning Fruit Loops and strongly disagree with Cap about the taste. <laughs> I had Tommy John surgery and now my underwear is still bunching and riding up. <laughs> Nevertheless, I will continue to tune in daily to ensure you address these falsehoods. That is, that's very well done. That's excellent. I, th- I think 
Not all of you, but some of you could take your... Who, who is that? Thomas Sutterfield. I think some of you need to take your cues from Tom. Yeah, just keep watching. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And less listening. Yes. That guy's... That's the kind of guy that makes for a good Christmas for the day's kids right there. Yep. I mean, if he's I paying agree. attention. I agree. I think it was Jim Rome who used to say when I used to listen to him years ago, hey, you take our show's an acquired taste. It takes about two weeks to listen to it. Tremendous. And after two weeks, if you still don't like it, just keep listening anyway. I love that talking point. I used to use it in one of my liners in Sports Talk Radio, but that made me think about that when he was talking about, I'm going to listen anyway. All right. Despite the lies, you sit on a throne of lies. And it's glorious. He started off... With betting on the Bundesliga. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Jess says, I used to think as a quasi-federal employee that 10 annual holidays and five weeks of vacation after 15 years was unreal, that there was nothing like that in private enterprise. Then after I retired, I took a temporary job with GM as a proving ground and found out their vacation time was outrageous. 26 paid holidays and six weeks of paid vacation to start. I'm beginning to think your vacation schedule rivals this. Why am I jealous? Um, because I have, frankly, um, an idolatrous love of your show. <laughs> um, very, And by the way, very few people call balls and strikes the way that you guys do. That's very kind. I know it seems like we have a lot of vacation um, because this year we took like none. And don't get me wrong. We, we have a good amount. You know, so I have to produce for you, the people, 230 unique shows a year. And there's, if you don't count Saturday and Sunday, I believe there's what, 255 potential broadcast days, something like that, or 256, something like that. So anything above those 230 shows, provided I deliver those 230 uh, live daily shows for you guys and uh, you, the people of America, then the rest of the year we get off. I just have to deliver that many live shows. I think that's the number. So it, this year, because after this election, we're going to be gone a lot. All right. So it just seems like we have a lot of vacation because we haven't taken that much this year. In, in election years, we typically backlog our vacation time anyway to be on the air as much as possible. It's just that in the springtime, for example, we didn't take our final four or NCAA tournament vacation, because there wasn't one. With everything going on with the virus, and our show was on the front lines of that, we were just here every day, you know, fighting the fighting the good fight. So uh, next year, when it's not an election year, it'll be a little bit more spread out and hopefully won't be as, uh, as, as cumbersome for you guys that like the program. Thank you. Rodney says, with everything going on today, culturally, politically, et cetera, which do you think was a bigger contributor to getting us here? The 2000 election or 9-11? Or do you think there's a more impactful event that has happened in the last 20 years that has brought us to the brink? I do. I, I do think there's a more impactful event in the last 20 years that has brought us to the brink. And I, I, I think it's, it's two things that have done this. Since 9-11 and since the 2000 election. Uh, I think the election of Barack Obama is one of them. And then I think what the court did on the marriage issue is the other one. Bingo. Uh, the reason why I think the election of Barack Obama is one of them is, is, is because Barack Obama did one thing that I view as a morally neutral proposition. It's just a strategy and it worked. He changed, he, he was the first to fully invoke 
you know, we didn't know what the term, terms like micro-targeting, we didn't know what those terms meant. I mean, Barack Obama's 2008 campaign was on the cutting edge. And I'm not talking against John McCain. I'm talking to beat Hillary Clinton and, and John Edwards, a former vice presidential nominee, coming out of nowhere as a one-term senator from Illinois. He, he, his, pro, his, his campaign was on the cutting edge of what today's technology. I mean, I remember people in Iowa getting phone, you know, robocalls. We didn't know what they even were. In 2000, the summer and fall of 2007, you'd answer your cell phone. Hi, I'm Michelle Obama. You thought she was calling you. We didn't know what these things were. And nobody had done this stuff yet. And what he was able to do with, with both give him credit, his political talent. He has a, there's no question he has a God-given amount of charisma and political talent. No question about that. So the combination of his talent, but then the ingenuity of his campaign people to fully embrace the cutting edge of the new social media revolution that was just underway at this time, allowed him to do something that had not been done really in America probably since the television and the telephone, create a counter-electorate, meaning turning out people who traditionally don't show up in primaries. So that polls and things like that are largely irrelevant because I'm bringing voters to the to the process that typically weren't getting engaged or weren't motivated to come. And I'm bringing them there. It's not just that I'm using the technology to reach them. It's that they like my message or the way that I'm messaging to them. That's why you have to recognize Barack Obama's political talent. The the technology on its own. Um, who's the gentleman who's on CNN now that ran those campaigns? David uh, Axel, Axelrod. Axelrod, yeah. yeah. What those people did would have made Barack Obama a viable candidate because of, of how cutting edge they were ahead of the game. But it wouldn't have won him elections. You know what I'm saying? You win elections, uh, the candidate wins elections, not the process, not a campaign. Candidates win. And no campaign can rise above its own candidate. If the candidate's not good you can't do any better than than that's where water reaches its level all right so those two things allowed him to create a counter electorate and it and it permitted him to never have to pivot to the middle ever he essentially got to do what michael dukakis tried to do in 1988 but lacked the charisma of barack obama and the electorate was still too right of center for michael dukakis to get away with it but it allowed Barack Obama to never, he, it allowed Barack Obama to own all the space on the left in the Democratic primary. And that launched him to the nomination. And then it allowed him to remain there the entire general election. We never counted early voting numbers or things of that nature until 2008. He changed the, the framing of the electorate. And, and much of the strategy, I've gotten this firsthand from them. Much of the strategy you saw Trump pursue in 2016 was an, was an homage, an emulation. The rallies, uh, the idea of investing in him as a personal brand, even more so than on issues. A lot of that was an emulation of what they had seen Barack Obama do. Ignoring GOP consultants and just living in these Rust Belt states that Republicans could not figure out how to win them in presidential election years since the 80s. And he's like, hey, I'm going to create a new, a new electorate. Rural white people that voted for Obama once, if not twice, or didn't vote at all, and they're going to come out and vote for me. And you saw Trump do his own emulation of what Barack Obama did. 
And it permitted Barack Obama to never, ever have to pivot to any kind of a moderate Democrat general election strategy ever. He, you know, that's how Bill Clinton won twice. And Barack Obama outperformed Bill Clinton by never doing it. Because he created, he, he could, he figured out with the power of his personality and the new technology, he could frame the electorate. And that's where we, the paradigm shifted from. It's not about winning a majority of the voters. It's winning a majority of those who actually turn out to vote. And that changed the game. And it also made things far more balkanized and far more polarized than they already were. And that's why they stuck with the messaging continuously. To oppose Obama meant you were racist. Because they, they knew they didn't have to ever pivot to the middle. So we don't have to engage you or legitimize you as real opposition. We'll just call you names. It works. It turns our base out. Our base responds. And I don't think we're ever going back to the 40% on the Democrats and 40% Republicans and elections are decided by 20% of people in the middle. I think that paradigm's dead as a doornail, gone, dead and buried. Mitt Romney won independence by five points in 2016 and still lost the presidency to Barack Obama. That would have been unthinkable in almost any other era. So... That's the first thing that changed is Barack Obama proved with today's technology. And you've seen conservative media adopt a lot of this. Well, we we don't have to go out there and win arguments with these guys anymore. We'll just keep feeding our own feedback loop to our own customers to turn them out because Barack Obama showed that it doesn't matter who it doesn't matter about winning a majority a majority opinion it just you just win the majority of those who show up and if, if you and if you cause people who don't like you or are disgusted by the process to not come out and vote at all or against you that's a win right that's a win then their vote doesn't count that's a win i just need to have people voting for me be more than the people voting either against me or for you and i don't think we're ever going back to any other kind of a you know who's the mushy middle Electorate. I don't think that's ever happening ever again. And so partisanship is now incentivized more than ever before. That's the first thing. And the other thing is the is the marriage ruling. Simply because on one hand, in the first one, the Supreme Court said that seven and a half million people in California cannot get standing to have their vote heard. That we can just wipe out your votes like they never happened. And if we do that on an issue like marriage, why can't we just do it on everything else? That's number one. And the other factor there is what it unleashed. The weaponizing of government in order to promote a counter morality. Not not to tolerate it. Not to permit it. I didn't say that. Is that what I said? No. No. To promote it. The transition from the old liberals to the new leftists, the marriage opinion cemented that. And, you know, the old liberals just wanted government to permit you to do things that God says was dumb, uh, God says is dumb or immoral. The new leftists want government to compel you to do those things. The idea that government could therefore now push its limits all the way to your own individual conscience. 
that your own business that you started, that you built, that you put the sweat equity in, you could be coerced and forced to use it to promote a message that you, your conscience disagrees with. We could take this all the way to the convents with the nuns. That you must, you must comply. We've, we've never seen that with religion in America because it's antithetical to the First Amendment. And all the stuff, what it did is it, is it, is it militarized and weaponized political correctness. So now it's just not that, well, um, you can't be on the faculty at this university if you believe these things. Now you can't be a student. Now your student organization can't be recognized. You, you can't be considered a legit member of society. Which goes back to the first point with Obama. Hyper-partisanship incentivized at levels higher than ever before. And once, once these sorts of things become acceptable in the rules of engagement, there isn't a polite way to end them. That's what's so frustrating. I mean, if I can just take away your moral conscience, why can't I just take away your vote? Why would I permit you to vote for, for racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobes? Why, do I, why would I permit that? It's for your own good. It's for your own good we're not counting your vote. It's for your own good we're cheating. You don't know it yet, but we just, we're better at this than you. We're better humans than you are. And what both of those moments did, Rodney, is they, is they, they canceled the arena of ideas. And they created a political culture where I no longer have to debate you because you're beneath contempt. Your views aren't worth being considered. And so when and so when Rick Santorum gives a counter opinion opinion on CNN, number one trending thing on, on, on Twitter worldwide is the hash is a hashtag about I can't believe CNN hires Rick Santorum. Like I shouldn't have to even be subjected to things I don't agree with. The story that came out uh, before Trump's town hall last night from Yashir Ali or whatever that guy's name is. About I can't tell you how many NBC News employees I've heard from who are upset that their network is giving D Donald Trump counter programming to Joe Biden because they're hacktivists. That's what they are. They're not even they're not even biased. They're promoters of something. You can argue against bias. You can expose it. You can defeat it in the arena of ideas. But when they when 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 the the notion we're even going to try to promote, even an alternative truth, is thrown out. And it's just all propagation and perpetuation and promotion of a narrative. Now you're in the land of the judges, man. Everyone just does what is wise in their own eyes at that point. And that's where we are right now. And that's why I said yesterday, elections in America are going to change. They're no longer going to be about ideology and things of that nature. It's, it's going to be about who's going to use the levers and powers of government to either impose my will on others or, or stop them from imposing their will on me. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not in favor of that. 
I've, I've lost relationships and business opportunities the last few years, pushing back against us getting to this zero-sum game. Because you know what happens if we go to that zero-sum game? The next step, the next step is 1860, okay? But as a conservative, I, I can't wish cast. I have to observe history and the truth for what it is. I lost that argument. That argument is over. That is what politics is going to be. And it's mainly going to be that way because the other side doesn't want to permit a country where your views are tolerated. An 80-year-old man who started his career as a friend to segregationists went on national television last night and said he was fine with an 8-year-old getting their penis lopped off because they thought they were a girl. You cannot debate that. And it's not going to debate you. One of you will lose and the other will win. That's it. Politics are now a steel cage match, man. One man, two men enter. One man leaves. More in a moment. Hey, let, me, let me mention Built Bar one more time because I am such a huge fan. The uh, chocolate-covered uh, Apple Crisp bar is sitting over there on my desk waiting uh, for my next uh, lunch hour <laughs> to arrive. You want to get a hold of, well, it's a protein bar, but it's going to be one of the best-tasting candy bars with 18 different flavors you've ever had. Low on sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, Easy on the tummy. That's a big thing for me. All right. Uh, 18 different flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. I promise you it is going to be the best protein bar you've ever had. The best snack bar you've ever had. And you can only get them at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Steve right now at BuiltBar.com to get 20% off your order uh, coconut almond, uh, raspberry, the pumpkin flavor, apple crisp, uh, it, it, the coconut stuff, by the way, if you're like into mounds and almond joy candy bars, I mean, it is, um, it tastes almost exactly like one of those. Uh, there's a lots of different chocolate peanut butter flavors. So chocolate peanut butter brownie and things of that nature. Uh, the mint chocolate flavor is really good. Uh, frankly, they're all good. I have not had one that was not good. All right. Builtbar.com is where you can go. Use the promo code Steve to get 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, let's continue on with Feedback Friday. This is from Keith in Cincinnati. Uh, my daughter is currently a freshman at a college in Nashville. Uh, she recently called with the following story. She was shopping at a Target store in the Nashville area when she was approached in the aisle by a young woman in a lab coat who appeared to be a pharmacist. She asked my daughter, have you gotten your flu shot yet? My daughter replied, no, I don't usually get one. The pharmacist was visibly taken aback and began to belittle my daughter about how rude and inconsiderate that was. And my daughter walked away, paid for her items and left the store. She called my wife and I and relayed the story. And needless to say, we may own a Target in suburban Nashville when this is all said and done. But is this what we need to expect in the coming weeks and months as we enter the flu season? Yeah. Yep. 
if they ever, ever come up with the coronavirus vaccine, and again, we never have come up with a coronavirus vaccine in all of human history, which means I would highly doubt the efficacy of one when they claim they come up with it. You can expect that level of shaming and everything else. The question is, are you going to tolerate it? That's the question, Aaron. Point of order. Um, what is flu? That's a great question, because this is something we're going to be talking about here soon. But we had a great researcher out of Ohio. Kyle Lamb was on our show. What was this, about two or three weeks ago, I think yep. it was? Mm-hmm. And he emailed me this morning. He is doing a deep dive on the fact that the flu virus has literally disappeared from planet Earth in the year 2020. Like, we're not we're not testing for it or anything. Why? So I don't know where you guys live, but here in Iowa, I, last I heard, the positive test rate was slightly under 6% in Iowa. Does that sound about right? Yep. So remember, COVID-like symptoms is grouped in with which other uh, virus? I-L-I, influenza-like illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mentioned on the show the other day, my youngest daughter, Zoe, healthy 14-year-old teenage girl, thinnest member of the family. She has not had any sort of you know, that residual fever that just doesn't want to go away. That's one of the prime COVID symptoms, right? Uh, But she had all the symptoms of a bronchitis, which in any other year, that is what we would have just diagnosed. And we tried to fight it naturally as best we could, but in the end, I thought she did an antibiotic. So after trying to fight it naturally as best we could for a few days, Amy took her into the doctor. She has no other symptoms other than chest congestion, and they decided to do a COVID test. Now, they would not have done a COVID test on a 14-year-old girl with not running a fever in March, April, or May. But now they're, they're trying to test everything that moves, right? Okay. Of course, her test comes back negative. So everything is COVID now? She gets an antibiotic for her bronchitis. Within a couple of days, she's already feeling better. What's that line from uh, Bjork we used to quote on the show? Everything is COVID. Yes, all this, this COVID, every, all this music. Yes, yeah. I mean, flu. Now, there's, there can be. A, there's a few reasons why the flu could have disappeared, and we'll talk to Kyle about this and when he gets his reporting done here soon. They're like all bad. <laughs> okay. And the the least bad one is 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 perhaps there is a correlation between where flu is the weakest, COVID ra- ravages and rages the most because there's there's a lot of uh, dry timber there if you start a fire. You know what I'm trying to say? All right, the ground is more fertile there. Um, that's a possibility. But then if then I would presume we would study such correlations because shouldn't like the gold. Shouldn't the goal of encountering a pandemic be how do we get out of it and defeat it as opposed to how do we just live in it and manage it forever? Shouldn't the former be the goal of what we call healthcare? Now, if you're doing sick care, which is what our current economic model is, we don't do healthcare. That's why vitamin C and D, what is it? Same thing as flu. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. It serves no purpose at all. Only thing that serves purpose is something from Big Pharma. That comes with a 30-second uh, commercial with a 27-second disclaimer, including symptoms that may be the ones you're actually trying to medicate against. That's the only thing we permit. So we do sick care, not health care. 
If you had a healthcare system, the goal would be how do we defeat this pandemic with all of our ingenuity and or how do we get ourselves out of it to make it as manageable as possible for society to go on. That's what Scott Atlas is doing right now. Healthcare. Sick care is uh, how do we extend this for as long as we can, make as much money off of it as we possibly can and just treat people as vats of symptoms that need to be managed as opposed to humans that need to be healed. We do the latter today. And we have been for a long time, yes, which have. is why they could pull yeah. this on us. That's yes, exactly We right. are at the bottom of the slippery slope. Yeah, this didn't start here. No. No, this is the culmination of yes. everything that's gone on. Okay. <sighs> Nothing is quite pegged the difference between progressives and conservatives like the rbg and trump situations within a week rbg goes into hospital conservatives send her well wishes in the hopes of the preservation of life trump gets covid the left cheers and roots for trump to die to further their agenda nothing could paint a clear distinction between progressive ideologies and conservative principles from ken rickard christian conservative science teacher in california who is trying to constantly trying to battle the dark forces of ignorance in and out of my classroom daily that's well said but i gotta tell you too i think a lot of conservative well wishes for rbg is just flat out virtue signaling okay not not that people were you know were, were like sitting around hoping that she would perish to fill her seat but but some of that is a some of that is driven by the conservative version of virtue signaling to show that we are superior and better than leftists in a different way that will show it with killing people with kindness and heaping hot coals on their head. Um, it just may not be done from the most righteous premise. You know what I'm trying to say? I do. Yeah. It's to earn some recognition the other way. Yeah. The, the one, I mean, it, it's our obligation to try to plant our flag and hope if we can. Sure. The one thing I do know about her that allows that, at least in my own mind and heart, is the relationship she had with Scalia. Because I don't think Scalia suffered fools. And I think... I liked the woman. I, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought I, she didn't suffer fools. I didn't think she suffered BS on any mm -hmm. level. I just disagreed with her about 80% of the time. Oh, yes. Vehemently. Yes, yes. But I, on, a, on a, a personal level, I didn't disdain her or anything of that nature. I respected her. I liked her. Yeah, and so, so she, she clearly did not need to hate everyone around her like almost all the people who now have deified her do and that's, that's a that's, fundamental difference between them that, that's very well said yep mike dubois or dubois says you spoke of undecided voters as those who are trying to decide whether to give the country back to trump for four more years or over to over to Biden, um, and 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 such voters didn't get much out of that first debate, and they seemed focused on behavior, not policy. Yet pre outbreak, Trump's chances for re-election were excellent given the economic growth. Now that the response to the virus has tanked the economy and put people out of work, his chances seem to be lower. Doesn't this indicate that it cannot largely be about Trump's temperament and behavior? In January on your show, you you three agreed that while there's a floor by which losing Dem presidential candidates cannot fall like they can't lose California, New York, et cetera, we could see, you know, potentially a Trump flipping a Virginia if he had a strong year, a Minnesota, a Colorado. Now, Republicans have won Colorado numerous times in recent years, but I get what you're saying. Wouldn't that mean that Trump's struggles are mostly about the economy and not attitude? 
In other words, these same voters were fine with his attitude when the economy was roaring. I agree. You've actually just restated one of my key premises. When elections are about personalities, Democrats win. When they're about issues, Republicans win. Trump wasn't less douchey to the people that don't like him now a year ago or, or March 9th. It's just we had the largest family median uh, wage growth since 1968. We had the largest economic growth since the dot-com boom. We had the highest percentage of people in the private labor workforce since we've been keeping the stat. And we had the lowest amount of Hispanic and black unemployment since we've been keeping the stats. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't invite him over for dinner. But hey, appreciate the fact my life's going well. Then when you take those things away, then suddenly that objection becomes more of a primary objective. More of a primary component. I completely agree with that. I think you're just kind of restating what much of my analysis has been this year. That's why I don't believe Trump can win if the election is about how bad is the virus as opposed to how quickly can we recover. That's why if he loses, it's going to be because he surrendered his presidency to the quack duo of Fauci Burks. Now don't have Thanksgiving. I, I got to tell you, I just struggle not to hate these people. Because I just think they're fiends. Like not wrong, not misguided. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like I, I think it's male, a, a malevolent force. Yeah. Everything I just said about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, on a personal level, I respected her. I thought she was fairly intellectually honest. I just disagreed with her vehemently. Mm-hmm. I have none of that for Fau- for Burks and That's especially I mean. for Fauci. We're being- I, I mean, I smell sulfur over my screen when he shows up on it, okay? Or when we're talking about Jack. It's, it's, that's what yes. I mean. We're being fauchied at every level. I the know dishonesty. I'm talking to something that is obviously, at the very least, disingenuous to the freaking core yes. of their soul, if not openly given over to malevolence. There's wrong and then there's malevolence. There's wrong and then there's disingenuous to the core. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. That's what I feel like we're dealing with with these people, particularly Fauci. And that's where I just struggle just to not loathe them on a biblical level. Because it just seems like this is coming from the other place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You can be coming from a bad place. We all come from a bad place. That's why we all need a savior. Or you can come from the other place. You know what I mean? There's the bad place we all come from because we're all basically bad. But then there's the other place. And I kind of feel like they come from there. Yeah. Because they can't be shown anything. Does Ant- would Anthony Fauci be friends with Antonin Scalia? No. Hell no. No. Well, this is there why would be, there would be no, you know, respectful, co-belligerent, intellectual, I respect you in the arena as a competitor. Now, don't get me wrong. When we break to write our opinions, I'm going to try to rip your spleen out because I think you're dead wrong. But I respect you on a human level. That's why. I, That's not what's well, happening here. That's why Sweden's memory hold, T cell memory, immunity's memory hold. That's why I'm getting face fact checked from Facebook for a claim I never even made in order to demonetize my page. Right? Yeah. That's not a bad place. That's the other place. That's why I predicted that Fauci is going to quit. 
because he always and i said this he always kept trump close in this thing we know he's a hillary fan we know that which he's allowed to be a political fan of anybody he wants to but i think this whole time was a scam about you know just whispering in trump's ear and he knows that works with donald trump and and now all of a sudden trump is re-racking the very things fauci said about trump doing a good job and that makes him mad it's because of what you're talking about this was never yes. real it was always a scam yeah i you're right so let me whisper sweet nothings tell trump how great he is in order to get close to him because mm-hmm. that's what he wants to hear he'll he'll let me wield power and then when i say those things about trump on like like the gaslighting that fauci yeah. tried to do to mark levin last yeah. week because they're using the levin interview yep. in their campaign ads yeah. and I, that's taken totally out of context and no, levin's like not. dude dude i did the He's, interview i know what the, i'm the one that asked the damn question i know what the context is but i know what it is i looked you right in the eye i know where i was coming from and you answered it what do you mean it's out of context but this is what you you mean about progressive you can't it's one two men enter one man leave yep he did what progressives demand you do trump trusted the experts over and over and over again and now the but it's not good enough because it was always a scam so now they're still going to crucify him including the head expert for trusting him when he re-racks that relationship see this is the mistake we made with trump if he loses It's not the idea that somebody has to have perfect moral behavior or even ideal moral behavior because none of us do. We all have a red light district in our minds. We all have a red light district in our own lives somewhere, somewhere. We all have red in our ledger. That's why we all need a savior. That's not to excuse all this behavior, but it's the idea that we are, we are looking for a moral standard that no one can uphold. Okay. So great, Mitt Romney stayed married to the same woman for how many years? He also, if you would have elected him, would have shown them where you all live and let them run over you. He has shown that as a senator, has he not? Yes. Yeah. No, which we we, we focus so much on the morality, we didn't look at the worldview. Because we're going to need smart people with a deeply embedded worldview who can push back on the BS of these so-called experts with their next faux crisis. And not just, we got to trust these people. No, why? Why do we have to trust them? Why? Maybe, and maybe we do. I'm not saying we don't. But I've got some questions that need to be answered before we do. And that's the, that is the weakness of Donald Trump more than anything else. It's not his ego. Yes, it, ca- it causes people to, be, to, to, to get annoyed with him. It's also driven him to tremendous area, you know, areas of success in his life at the same time. The weakness of his presidency is that he lacks a fundamental sound worldview that allows him to then put things and events on this earth in, a, in their proper context, as opposed to just treating them as random occurrences all the time and then reacting to them randomly. Yes. The whole expert class is against us. The next go around, we need someone with a worldview that knows how to challenge these people and force them to defend their own assertions rather than just either dismissing them or taking them whole cloth one way or the other. That's going to do it for us this week. Back at it again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.